Philippians chapter 1 tonight. So we had a missionary with us Sunday, and he was a blessing. Uh, He was just an encouragement to me personally, um, and just uh, his preaching was good. But he made a comment this week that really caught my attention, and it was something to the effect of there are a lot of loiterers and not laborers in our church. And I've been meditating and chewing on that thing for the last three or four days uh, since he was here. And as I continue to think on that statement, and I had to admit that in my experience, that it's true. And he used that song, my father's house is full, but my fields are empty. Or my house is full, but my fields are empty. And and I just started to think about that. And and I just came to the conclusion Uh, that there must be sin or at least distractions if we're not willing to admit that it's sin. Not all things are sin necessarily, but I would say if it's distracting you to the point where you're not laboring for Christ, uh, I think we can rack that up as a sin. But anyway, uh, there's some sin or some distractions in the lives of believers preventing us from laboring in the harvest. Uh, Sure, there are those that uh, are uh, laboring full-time, and they got to be full-time. Uh, the Lord's called them as preachers, as, as pastors or missionaries or evangelists or, or whatever area that we commonly think of as full-time uh, workers in the ministry. And, and so those guys ought to be laboring, right? I guess I would put myself in these last few months in that category now. And, uh, but the reality is we all ought to be laboring in the harvest full-time. Uh, and, and just that thought of loiterers. You know what? Loiterers are annoying. <laughs> you ever been to the gas stations in the neighborhood? And there's folks around, milling around, doing a, they're not doing any good. They're in the way. They're, they're just annoying. And uh, it's irritating. Perhaps we have some loiterers here tonight. You really have no true purpose you're just here because, hey, that's what we do because I want to keep safe face or whatever the case may be. Um, did I turn this on, brother? Okay. It keeps changing in, in my voice or in my ears. But I do have some ear issues according to the Veterans Administration. So it's hard to say. <clears throat> but anyway, that idea of loiterers and not laborers has really been sticking with me. And so if you would, turn to... Philippians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 27 down through the end of the chapter, verse 30. Um, Let's read it, and I'll I'll make a few more comments, and then we'll look at what what I have in my notes and what the Lord, I believe, has laid on my heart. But verse 27, Philippians chapter 1, the Word of God says this. Actually, excuse me, if you would stand in honor of reading the Word of God, I apologize. If you're able, um, if you would stand in honor of God's Word, I would appreciate it. Verse 27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that of God. For unto you it is given... In the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. 
having the same conflict which she saw in me and now here to be in me. Heavenly Father, tonight we do thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for how you've worked in my heart on this subject. And Father, tonight we pray that you would have the preeminence and Lord, that the word of God would have free course in the hearts of the people here tonight. And Lord, that you would challenge us to be more consecrated in our efforts in the gospel. And now, Father, tonight we pray that you would meet with us. Bless the preaching of your word. We pray, Lord, you bless the business meeting to follow and be with our pastor, that you touch him and heal him. We'll give you thanks for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we ought to all be laboring full time. Listen, do we not all work, shop, eat, and recreate in the field? Some churches have a sign. I've, I've been a part of churches that have had a sign, and I've visited churches that as you leave the auditorium, the sanctuary, or perhaps even sometimes as you leave their facility, it says you are now entering the mission field. Do we believe that? Do we take that to heart, and, and do we understand that that is the reality of the situation? Uh, are we effectively working the harvest field? Outside of these walls. So I would say perhaps that many are apathetic or negligent about the business of the Father. Once they leave this place. They come here and they loiter around on a Sunday or even the good Wednesday night folk. But are you working in the field when we leave this place? We ought to be salt and light, the Word of God teaches us. and uh, We ought to be consecrated to the gospel. And so this message, I was actually, I had four points. I had put like a skeleton outline together when I was uh, thinking about it when Pastor had mentioned that he was potentially not going to be here because he wasn't feeling well. I kind of put some, some points on paper and, and the message took a whole different turn than what I was expecting. Uh, and so tonight we're going to talk about a concentrated conversation. In verse 27, if you would look with me at those first few verses, it says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. A concentrated conversation. In today's society or in in our modern vernacular, you might say that when we use the word conversation, we almost exclusively are referring to verbal communication. And how are uh, we have discourse with one another verbally? Uh, however, here in this text, and the, and really throughout the entire Bible, uh, that word conversation has more to do with your behavior or your conduct than just your words. Your words are a, definitely a part of your conduct and your behavior. But when you see that word in your Bible, it occurs twenty times. If my search is accurate, every single time it's in a reference to your behavior, or how you conduct yourselves. I'll read a few examples to you tonight to try to help you understand that. Psalm 37, 14 says this, The wicked have drawn out the sword, or have drawn out the sword, and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Psalm 50, verse 23, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 13 says this, For we have heard 
Uh, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. His conversation, his behavior, the Apostle Paul there. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. James 3.13, Who is a wise man, excuse me, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. 2 Corinthians 1.12 For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you, Word. And and I have highlighted there, by the grace of God, our conversation isn't what it ought to be just because we're good people. Uh, We need the Lord to help us with that. And that won't be the focus of uh, of our message tonight, but I did want to highlight that. This is not something that we drum up in our own power. Uh, We need the Holy Spirit and God's Word uh, to help us in this matter. Uh, But the reality is our conduct is our behavior, or our conversation is our behavior. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So in Christ, we should have a different conversation. Uh, We had one before. Uh, Now that we're in Christ and, and He's begun that work of uh, of sanctification or the conforming us to the image of His Son, uh, that we're more like Christ, our conversation changes. First Peter 1.18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions of men. So they had the, the vain conversation before they were saved. But, and then lastly, as example tonight, is First Peter 2.12, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So people will see our conversation. They will see our behavior. They will see our conduct. uh, And they will drum up some conclusions. Uh, Will they glorify God? (laughs) Or will they wonder, what is going on? They say this. They're a Christian, that they're in Christ. But uh, that's certainly not how they're acting So in our text tonight, more specifically, the Greek word uh, poletuma, it's probably not how you pronounce it, but I can do the best I can with my limited education. A couple chuckles. You guys are rough on Wednesday nights. Goodness. But the Greek word there, Strong's defines it as to behave as a citizen. So the conduct that it's talking here is how uh, the Apostle Paul is telling them how you conduct yourselves in society should only be as it becometh the gospel. There should be no conduct in your life that is contrary to the gospel, that is contrary to what God teaches in His Word. People should never be able to look at somebody that claims Christ, a believer, somebody that calls themselves a Christian and say, that doesn't line up with what the Word of God says. They shouldn't be able to say that of us. Not that we're perfect, because I know we're not, but by and large, they should say, man, those people are different. So tonight, when you see that word conversation here, in verse 27, is referring to how we behave ourselves 
amongst the people around us. And what I would say more specifically amongst the lost people around us and how they are able to observe our lives and how we engage with them uh, really on a daily basis. There are probably some here that perhaps you don't leave the house a lot and, and you come to church uh, and you don't go much anywhere else. I would say uh, you're the exception. For most of us in here tonight, we're going to the store. Uh, we're going to the places of business or work. Uh, we have coworkers, uh, employees even maybe perhaps, or we're the employee. Uh, but we come across people every day that are lost. What kind of behavior do they see? Do they see a behavior? Do they see a conversation that would, in their mind, bring them to the conclusion that this person is living a life of the gospel? Would they consider you a Christian? Not because you've said that, but could they come to that conclusion on their own? Our conduct should be becoming or worthy or appropriate for our status. As a child of the king, as a believer, as those that claim Christ, uh, this is not that we're living in a such a way uh, to be becoming of our earthly citizenship, but our heavenly citizenship. But you know what the reality is? Is many of us, well, maybe not us, but many Christians today aren't even living as good American, U.S. citizens, let alone good citizens of heaven. And so that phrase here, so we talked a little bit about conversation, and that has to do with our conduct or our behavior. But it says it should be as it becometh the gospel. The, the phrase there, that as it becometh, in the original Greek is, is that of our conduct is after a godly sort. So that's the idea. It pairs very well with the word conversation. It's like your conversation, your behavior is after a godly sort. That's what's becoming uh, of those that are in Christ. Uh, our conversation is becoming. Is your conversation a godly sort? We ought to be good American citizens. I believe that. But how much more imperative it is for us to that those that name the name of Christ to conduct ourselves in this world as Christ would. Uh, much more imperative that we would live uh, becoming of, of a heavenly citizen. Look back with me at verse 21. Philippians 1.21. It lists with the Apostle Paul writing here, and he says, For to me to live is Christ. So this is where what is becoming of the gospel, uh, a life that is Christ. And the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ. And of course, he goes on to say, to die is gain. Uh, can you say that this morning or this evening? My presence in Rapid City, my presence at, at work, my presence wherever I may be, is the presence of Christ. For me to live is Christ. Uh, or... I mean, obviously, the opposite is a carnal person, you know, the difficult person at work or whatever the case may be. Uh, listen, I've been in the workforce. I understand it. It's hard. There's idiots out there. And it's a challenge at times. But is your conduct becoming of Christ? Is your conduct becoming of the gospel? Uh, it's really difficult to treat somebody poorly, whether they deserve it or not, and then try to witness to them. 
It makes it very challenging. And I know that from experience, I have to admit, and it's sad to say. I can think of specifically, there's a man that's visited our church here that I was wrong. I, I treated him wrongly. I had bad information. I didn't get the whole story. He was an airman. I dealt with him very harshly. And it was the hardest thing for me to ever go back to him and say, I'm sorry, I apologize. I did not handle that right. It's difficult if you're not living becoming of the gospel. It's challenging. Listen, I want to encourage you tonight. It's so much easier just to live right. I mean, God can use you in such a greater capacity. But listen, well, we better move on. I got 10 minutes. What in the world? Listen, Paul here is exhorting us to be consecrated to the gospel. Every aspect of our lives ought to be consumed with the gospel. Our jobs, our families. I I know in my own life that hasn't always been the case, but that is the challenge tonight. That is what we ought to be doing. We ought to be consecrated. So what is consecration? Our good friend Webster in 1828 says this, The act or ceremony of separating from a common to a sacred use, or of devoting and dedicating a person or thing to the service and worship of God. He goes on to say this, Consecration does not make a person or thing holy, but get this, but declares it to be sacred, that is, devoted to God or to divine service. Have you consecrated your life to God in His divine service. That's the expectation tonight. And, and you, you need to do that. You need to commit to that. Uh, the, listen, the standard is the Lord. Not your neighbor. Uh, not your friend. Not your fellow church member. Uh, the standard's not your pastor. Uh, it's not the evangelist, the missionary, your favorite preacher that you met one time. Listen, you, those people have secrets that you don't know. Not necessarily bad secrets, but they have a private life that you're not aware of. They're not, they are failures too. The standard is the Lord. The level of consecration in your life is to be measured against God's standard. And I'm here to tell you tonight, God wants everything. He wants it all. 1 Peter 1.15, But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy... In all manner of conversation. So in all things, we are charged to be holy like He is holy. But the truth is, we can conduct ourselves outside of the boundaries of what is acceptable or becoming of a citizen of heaven or that which becomes the gospel. I'm sure we've all had our experiences of being outside the boundaries. But there's consequences to that. And I'm afraid they're grave consequences that we don't want to admit because the reality is when we do hinder, or excuse me, when we do not have our conversation right and we're not fully consecrated in all areas of our life, we hinder the ability of God's work amongst our people and our ability to reach those around, uh, around us in our community. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with Article 133 in the United Uniform Code of Military Justice. You just couldn't quote what that article is. But what it is tonight, and I'm sure all of you have probably heard the term, conduct unbecoming 
an officer, and a gentleman. That's Article 133 in the UCMJ. So this article it, it is an offense with deep roots in military history, and it goes back to the original Articles of War. Here are the elements of this article. The elements of the offense are that the accused did or omitted to do certain acts, and under the circumstances, the acts or omitted acts constituted conduct unbecoming an officer and a gentleman. So it's something this individual, uh, typically a commissioned officer, uh, could do uh, that was unbecoming of their position, unbecoming of their commission, you might say. Uh, And this article was intended to really be a catch-all for some of the things and uh, to really create liability for actions that bring honor or disgrace to the office of an officer, to the office of an officer, to the position of an officer. And so the, the article was purely a military offense. Uh, the effect of the accused conduct on his or her status. So uh, basically the, the conduct that the individual demonstrated affect their status as an officer. Uh, you guys that have looked at some of the news articles or things when, when a commander gets relieved, they often just say something generic like, uh, they lost confidence in their ability to lead or to command. Just very general. Uh, that could mean something just under Article 133, something that was unbecoming, and it undermined their authority, and they were no longer able to effectively lead. It could also mean there were criminal things that took place or, or illicit activities that had happened. They just don't publicize it. Uh, but uh, so according to Daniel Conway and Associates at McMilitary.com, and uh, this is a new turd for me. Some of you lawyers out there might know this. The Graveman. Anybody know what a Graveman is? But the Graveman of the Article 133. And a Graveman is a legal term. Uh, and it means it's the essential element of a lawsuit. So it's the essential thing. So they say the Graveman of Article 133 is this. An officer's conduct that disgraces him personally or brings dishonor to the military profession. And here's the kicker or affects his fitness to command the obedience of subordinates so as to success, successfully complete the military mission. So this conduct has prevented him to successfully command, to lead, which consequently makes him unable to complete the mission. This unbecoming conduct. So the intent of the article is to help ensure officers' conduct will uh, keep themselves in a position that it's not detrimental to their leadership or the effectiveness of of their leadership, and it doesn't negatively impact the mission accomplishment. So that was the intent of the article. And tonight I'm going to tell you, similarly, a believer who lives a life unbecoming of the gospel will cease to be effective for the sake of the gospel. I used that example earlier. You can't conduct yourselves in a way that's not Christ-like and then expect to turn around and share Christ and the saving power and how He's changed your life with somebody when you haven't been conducting yourself in a becoming manner. It's contradictory. It's hypocrisy. And so if we are, as Christians, not living a life that's becoming of the gospel, 
we will not be effective for the gospel. And listen, by the way, uh, this isn't the point of the... I'm going to go to 25. I'm going to use the extra five minutes. Um, by the way, you're going to be held account, accountable for that. It's not just simply, well, I was ineffective, whatever. You know, the Lord's not worried about it. No, He is. He's very concerned with it. Because God wants to accomplish things with our lives. God wants to use us in great ways. But when we're not conducting ourselves as we ought to, and we're not going to get into the, the do this and don't do that thing tonight, because I believe if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and God's going to guide you and lead you. And, and, but listen, be yielding to the Holy Spirit. But listen, you will give an account of your conduct. Wood, hay, and stubble, gold and silver, all those things. The guy, the, the guy, wow. The Word of God says you can be saved yet so as by fire. Listen, our conduct is very important. And this next thing that we're going to look at tonight, and we'll go through quickly because I don't want to weary you with, with the thought of it, but um, if you look at the progression of these verses here in, or just this one verse, verse 27, um, Proper conversation leads to unity. Look at what it says. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And, and there, I have some thoughts on whether I come and see you or else be absent. You know, all of us have those heroes of the faith that maybe we look up to that we want to we make proud, so to speak. I know of two men at least in my life that I want them to look at my life and say, you know what? Boy, we're, we're thankful for Justin DeGarmo and what he's doing for the Lord. I don't want to let them down. But anyway, but so the Apostle Paul, he, want, he, he says, whether I'm there or absent, he, he's going to hear of their affairs. But it says this, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind. So the proper consecrated conversation, the proper behavior will breed unity. And I said I don't want to weary you on that tonight. Because I, there have been a few preachers recently that, uh, that have touched this, conversa- or this topic. But uh, listen, we cannot strive together for the faith of the gospel if we were full of strife toward each other. It's just not going to happen. And so the progression is, if you're consecrated and your life is wholly given to the gospel, it will breed unity. Because if we're all doing that, we're all going to be of the same mind. The same spirit. So when we're all singularly focused on Christ, it will just develop that unity. Listen to me this evening. We must set aside our personal agendas for that which is Christ's. I think I've said this before. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's about Christ. And it's about sharing Christ with others and reaching the lost. And so... If we were properly focused on Christ, we would experience unity. And I would say perhaps a unity like none of us have ever experienced. A unity that we see in the first century church. That type of a unity, perhaps. But I believe we will fail to see the true power of God working among us until we are completely focused on giving Christ the preeminence in all aspects of our lives. It goes back to that conversation and are we becoming 
of what God would have us and what Christ would. If we would all just focus on pleasing Christ and putting Him first in our life and making Him the preeminent thing, all the other troubles and frustrations that tend to happen would disappear because we would be more Christ-like. The cure for divisions among us is an individual life consecrated to the gospel. So don't worry about your friend. Don't worry about that thorn-in-the-flesh church member. Worry about yourself. Worry about your conversation and are you becoming of that which you ought to be. Listen tonight, I'm not telling you that we're failing because we're not seeing large numbers of people being saved and baptized and discipled. I'm not saying we're failing because we cannot see visible results. What I want you to get from tonight is is I want you to take an honest look at yourself and ask the question, am I fully concentrated or consecrated unto the gospel of Christ? Am I all in? Is every aspect of my life ordered around the gospel? Can I say that my conversation only becometh the gospel? And what I would say tonight is, if not, if that is not the case in your life, you are preventing unity and the ability of our church to effectively strive for the gospel. So I challenge you tonight to consecrate your conversation and live a life that's becoming of the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this message. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to consecrate our lives in the service of Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'd bind us together that we might go forward and strive at a greater capacity than ever before for the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.